Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. If you were ever privileged to hear Marshall Smart in person, then you know what a gifted, unique, and anointed preacher he was. This sermon was preached back in 1988 at the God's Bible School and College annual camp meeting in Cincinnati, Ohio. He gives his personal testimony in this sermon, and you're going to love it. Keep passing it on and on. Thank the Lord for this wonderful morning service. Thank God for this wonderful Wednesday morning service that we're having. I appreciate every measure of help that the good Lord has been given to us. I've enjoyed the services thus far, haven't you? I'm so glad that the Holy Ghost is moving in our midst. I thought about what the Apostle Paul said. He said, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of man's wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And I believe that's the reason we've been having good services around here, is because of the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I appreciate that. I tell you, without the blessed Holy Ghost, it'll be tinkling cymbals and sounding of brass. We've got to have Him. Let's believe Him and let's trust Him. You know, I was called a preacher out here at God's Bible School. I was here about 39 years ago. And I can take you to the room where I used to say right up above here. And you know, the Lord called me to preach right here at Gold God's Bible School. And the first sermon I ever tried to preach was not too far from here on McMullen Street down at the Oaz Barry Tabernacle. You know, when I first got saved, uh, I wanted to do everything God wanted me to do. That's the way I feel about it tonight or this morning. I want to do whatever God wants me to do. But when the Lord saved me, I just cleaned up and said yes to God. And I said, whatever you want, Lord, that's what I want. And I began to walk in the light. I was just one year old spiritually. And I was playing my old bass fiddle. I used to play it in a nightclub. I used to slap that old bass fiddle until the blood would squirt out of my fingers. I used to whirl it around, just let it spin and catch it, never miss a lick. And go right on and play that old bass. I used to slap that old bass for the devil. But now every once in a while, I'll play that old bass for the Lord. And you know, when I got saved, I took that bass fiddle right along with me and played that bass fiddle in churches. As Barry Tabernacle, Brother Vaughn was a pastor. Maybe he's still the pastor of the church. I do not know. But I used to play that bass at the Asbury Tabernacle right down McMullen Street. How many know where that church is, Asbury Tabernacle? They had a band and I played the bass. And I also played the guitar. I can play a guitar a little bit. And I used to sing that song, The Prodigal Son. And Brother Vaughn used to love to hear me sing that song, The Prodigal Son. I used to sing on the radio. And you know, for some reason or another, so the Lord must have told Brother Vaughn that I was called to preach. 
But anyway, he said, next Sunday night, we're going to have Brother Smart to preach for us. Well, I thought I'd die. When he said that, I almost had a light stroke. He said, Brother Smart's going to preach for us next Sunday night. Well, I thought I just won't flip backwards. I said, who told that man that I was called to preach? And I came back to God's Bible school and I requested prayer and the student body began to fast and pray that the Lord would help me <laughs> preach Sunday night. I studied about old Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. I mean, boy, I knew all about old Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. I knew what time those boys got up in the morning. I knew what kind of soap they used when they bathed. I knew which side of the head they parted their hair on. I knew all about the Hebrew children. I knew all about Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And that's what I was going to preach about. Fasted and prayed. I called my mother and daddy up on the telephone and told them I was going to preach Sunday night. And they all came, all of my brothers and sisters. And my mother and my father filled up one whole pew and, and, and spilled over on the other pew. We had enough of kids in our family to organize a small church. I mean, my mother got mad when she was 14, boy, and she got busy. You know, they marry young over in the hills of old Kentucky. I was reared by Southerners. And uh, they were all there. I was sitting up here on the platform. They had about 325 there that night. It was a good-sized church. And Brother Vaughn got up and took care of the preliminaries, and then he turned around and said, We're so happy to have Brother Smart. He's a student in God's Bible school, and he's called to preach the gospel, and we're going to have him come up here and preach now. And he left the platform, and I was up there all by myself. Boy, it felt strange. I got up with that big old pulpit Bible that somebody gave to me, right here at God's Bible school, and I opened it up. <laughs> And when I looked up at the congregation, the lights went out. I don't mean literally. I mean, buddy, I just couldn't think of anything to say. I forgot all about Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. I didn't know there was a, such a thing as Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. I didn't even know there was a Bible open in front of me. <laughs> I didn't even know which end was up. I said, dear Lord, I wish the floor would just open up and I would drop out of sight. I said, Lord, it'd be wonderful if I'd just disappear. I felt so unnecessary. And I bowed my head, and I began to cry. And the devil jumped up on this shoulder and said, Sissy, Sissy, you won't try this again, will you? Why don't you walk off of the platform and go down and sit beside of your mother and let her dry your tears? I looked down at my mother and my father. And my brothers and my sisters, and they were all sitting there looking at me like some of you folk are looking at me right now. And I tell you, I began to weep, and I kept weeping. And very seldom do I ever cry. When I cry, boy, I cry. And I began to weep just like a whipped baby. And the devil said to me again, you'll never try this again. Why don't you leave the platform and go down and sit down and never try this again? And about that time, the Lord nudged me and said, I want you to get your head up and put your shoulders back. And I want you to tell the people what I've done for you. I want you to tell the people how that I liberated you from the world and liberated you from sin. I want you to tell the people how that I reached down in the muck and the mire of sin and lifted you up and lifted you out and saved you from a life of sin and pulled the devil out of you and filled you with the Holy Ghost and put a Bible in your hand and called you to preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. 
I shall never forget that as long as day I live. If I live to be as old as Methuselah, I'll never forget how the Lord breathed upon me that night. I lifted up my face and put my shoulders back and I began to tell the people how he transformed my life and made me a new creature in Christ Jesus whereby all things had passed away and behold all things have become new and about that time something fell out of heaven and hit me at the top of my head and went clear through me and I got loose and I've been loose ever since. I don't know what it was. I suppose it was a power of God. I'm sure it was. But it came all over me and went through my body. And from that day to this good day, I've been loose. Now, I'm not saying that I've never been in the brush. But boy, sometimes I can come out with the biggest game that you ever laid your eyes on. I tell you, friend, from that good day to this blessed day, I, I tell you, I have been loose. I never will forget that. I think maybe I preached about five minutes or maybe ten minutes. I'm not sure. I didn't say anything about old Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. But I had a wonderful time. And when I got off by myself back here to God's Bible School, I fell on my knees and I began to thank God for the way that He helped me and for the way that He anointed me. And He turned me loose and He gave me liberty. He gave me freedom. And the next time that I tried to preach was on a street corner. I knew God had called me to preach. I got a sermon up in an old hay mow. God put that message on my heart and I got blessed and jumped out of that old hay mow. And when my feet hit the ground, I jumped and hooped and hollered and shouted. And Mother came to the back door and said, Good night in the morning, son. What's wrong with you? I said, The Lord has given me a message and I'm going to preach a Saturday night at the little country town about a few miles from where I live. And I went there to the street corner that Saturday night. I shall never forget it. The old farmers came in for the salt and the sugar, you know. And I looked across the street, standing there on the street corner. I can take you to the place this very day and show you almost the spot where I was standing. And I looked across the street and I saw the marshal walking up and down the sidewalk with a gun strapped on his side. And the devil said, you know what's going to happen when you start hollering and hooping and shouting and preaching here on this street corner? You know what's going to happen to you? That marshal's going to arrest you and put you in jail. I said, ring-a-ding-a-ling. I said, do you remember when I served you how that I wound up in jail? Came to lying on an old cootie coat. You remember the time that you almost got me killed in the eastern part of Kentucky? You remember the times that I was pushed out of the automobile and laid over in the ditch in my own vomit and filth and shame? You remember that? I said, he's not afraid of me. And if he wants to put me in jail, it'll be all right. God has called me to preach. And the Lord has put a message upon my heart. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And about that time, I saw a lady, she walked right in front of me, and she looked like a Christian. And I asked her if she was a Christian, and she said, yes, I am. And I said, I feel like the Lord has called me to preach, and I want to preach here on the street corner. I said, will you help me on this street corner? She said, well, son, what can I do? I said, do you know that old song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound that Saved a Wretch Like Me? And she said, yes, I do. I said, I want us to sing it together. And it wasn't too long until she saw someone she recognized and she asked the lady uh, if to come and to help on the street, in the street meeting and she said, yes, I will. It wasn't too long until we had about three or four people. And I was so glad for those Christians. 
And I stepped out and I said, okay, folk, we're going to have a street meeting here now. I said, we're not going to ask you for your money. I said, we're just going to have old-fashioned singing and old-fashioned preaching. I said, let's kind of gather in now. Don't be afraid. Come on, let's gather in. And they began to gather in. And the marshal stopped and he looked and I looked. And the devil said, it won't be long now. And we begin to sing those old songs, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We didn't have a song book. We begin to sing that old song, What Can Wash Away My Sins, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, and so forth. After we got through singing those songs, I had the ladies to testify. And when they testified, after they got through, I opened up my Bible and read a portion of Scripture and lifted my text and laid the Bible down in the grass. And I began to preach God's Word. I said, you folk across the street going in that pool room, if you don't get born again, you're going to die and go to hell. I said, you folk going over there in that bowling alley, if you don't get born again, you're going to die and go to hell. I said, you folk over there that's going in that saloon, if you don't get born again, you're going to die and go to hell. That was good preaching then, and that's good preaching now. I still believe that you need to be born again. And when you get born again, the Lord will clean you up from the things of the world and give you something in your heart you never had before in your life. Glory! I kept pouring on the old-fashioned rug of truth the best that I could. I mean, I preached by faith then. I mean, everything that came to my mind, I just let it rip. And after I got through a preaching, they gave an altar call, and lo and behold, a little lady stepped out of that crowd and came forward, weeping like a whipped baby, and she said, I need to be saved. Pray for me. I said, get down on your knees here, and she fell on her knees, and the Christians gathered around her, and she prayed through in the old-fashioned way. Oh, boy. I said, Lord, this is what I want to do the rest of my days. I looked up and I said, Lord, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. I said, this is my first convert right on the street corner. Prayed through and got right. And I said, Lord, this is what I want to do from this day on. Oh, my. I said good night to the people. And I said, now, folk, I'll be back next Saturday night, same time, same station. I said, I'll be right here. And I tell you, the crowds came every Saturday night. Only the crowds enlarged and enlarged and enlarged. They had to have three or four marshals there to take care of the crowds. I believe that they came to see me, not just to hear me. Because when I used to preach in the beginning of my ministry, I would preach and turn flips all the same time. Preach and turn flips, preach and turn flips, jump and hoop and holler. I used to sweat them, but now I perspire. But I want you to know, I believe if they came just to see me, not just to hear me, but I had a wonderful time. And that's how I got started in the ministry. And I've been going now for 39 years. And I've never lacked for meetings. You know, some folk walk around, you know, wondering why they'll never call for meetings. Not me, boy. I mean, I give God the praise. I'm scheduled up to 1994. You know, the devil said to me in the beginning of my ministry, if you preach the way the church starting out, you'll never have any meetings. And every once in a while, I rub this into the devil's nose, you know. I said, look here now, I'm scheduled up. I'll look like Rip Van Winkle in 1994. Now, I have between 35 and 40 preachers of the standing by wanting a cancellation. I'm not bragging. I just thank God. I just thank God for the way that he's helped this little old hillbilly to stay busy in the work of the Lord. I've always believed that God's man in God's place doing God's work for God's glory. God will take care of him and he'll never lack God's support. I believe that God will take care of his own. Hallelujah. And after I got through preaching and saying goodnight to the people, I went right across the street into a little restaurant 
And I sat down in the booth and ordered up a bowl of chili and a soda pop. And I was sitting there eating that chili and drinking that soda pop, happy as a June bug. And all of a sudden, a man walked into that restaurant, walked up to the booth where I was sitting, and he said, is your name Marshall Smart? I said, yes, sir, it is. I thought maybe at first he wanted my autograph. He said, are you the one that preached over there on the street corner just a few minutes ago? I said, yes, sir. I thought maybe you wanted to schedule me for a weekend meeting. He said, I heard you say over there on the street corner that the Lord saved you from the dance hall. I said, he did. I used to play for the Renfro Valley Barn Dance. I played for a lot of barn dances. The first instrument I ever played was a mandolin. And my brother played the fiddle. And my daddy played the guitar. I was reared up in an atmosphere like that. Ever since I was just a little fella big enough to hold an instrument, I played that old mandolin. I'd beat the fire out of it. And every once in a while in these saloons where I played music, they would ask for that little boy up on the platform, up on the stage, uh, to come down and to dance. And I could dance a little bit. And I'd go down there, just a little fella, and I would dance, and they'd throw me nickels and dimes and quarters and half dollars, uh, and I'd rake it up and put it back in my pocket and go back to the bandstand, pick up my little mandolin, and just beat the tar out of it. I thought that was a way I was supposed to make a living. And so the man said, I heard a while ago that you were saved from the dance hall. I said, that's right. I was saved from the dance hall. I don't dance anymore. He said, you're going to dance tonight. I said, what do you mean? And he pulled out a big gun, stuck it down in my face. The barrel looked that long. He put that gun down in my face and said, get out of your seat. Well, I could hardly move, let alone get out of my seat. I felt like looking up and saying, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is later for me a crown of righteousness. The Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. I felt like saying, Lord, this year has been a short ministry. I've only had one convert. He stuck that big gun down in my nose and said, get out of your seat. I managed to get out of my seat. He said, you're going to dance. I said, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. About that time, a verse of Scripture came to my mind. It said, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Or another translation, nothing shall cause them to stumble. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And he said, you're going to dance. I said, no, I'm not. About that time, I felt something come down over me like I felt over there on the street corner. And like I felt that at the little Asbury Tabernacle many years ago, I felt the power of God come down on me, and I looked at that old boy right between the buttons. I said, Brother, if you're going to shoot the gun, shoot it and get it over with and quit talking about it. I'm not going to dance for you or for anybody else. And about that time, the fellow that owned the restaurant, I slipped up behind him, got him by the seat of the britches and the nape of the neck, and threw him out of the restaurant. I said, goody, 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 goody. I tell you, friends, I didn't know I was going to say all of this when I got up here behind this sacred desk, but I said it. I'm just simply saying that God's grace is sufficient for us. My times are in His hands. My name is engraved on the palm of His hands. Nobody can pluck me out of His hands. So I say that's having the situation well in hand. I believe that the good Lord is able to keep you. I believe that He can save and sanctify and pour in the grace and pour in the power. That will enable you to live a victorious Christian life every day. <laughs> Just a few months ago, I was in Alabama. I'll not tell you what city and I'll not tell you what church. I will say this much. It was supposed to be a holiness church. 
And I've been preaching now for 39 years. And by the way, before I get on into this, I want to say I thank God for Daniel Stafford and J.D. Stafford. I appreciate Brother and Sister Stafford and Brother and Sister Stafford. I love these men. I thank God for them. They're old warriors of the cross, old-fashioned holiness preachers, and I love them very much, and I thank God for them. They've been preaching a whole lot longer than I have. And I tell you, not too long ago, I was in this church, and I preached Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And after I got through a preaching that sermon Thursday night, they shut the revival down. That's the first meeting was ever canceled on me. They shut that thing down. They put a big sign on the front of that church, this meeting has been closed. And they announced it on the radio that this revival meeting at a certain place has been shut down. I didn't know those ladies, uh, uh, some of those ladies in there were dipping snuff. I didn't, I didn't know that some of the men there were dipping snuff. I didn't know that they had the televisions. I didn't know everything that was going on in that church. The only thing that I was doing is trying to preach the word, be interested in season and a season, reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. All I was doing is preaching the word and they shut her down. But you know, God's grace was sufficient for me. God took me all the way through. I didn't know what was going to take place. I begged the pastor to let me take the sign down and go on with the revival meeting. It wasn't the pastor. He resigned the church a little bit after that. He was shocked clear down to the, to the soles of his shoes. I mean, he was shocked all the way through. He couldn't believe that the church that he pastored would cancel. I mean, would shut the meeting down. I wasn't preaching anything. He hadn't been preaching. He asked the people why they, why they closed the meeting. Nine men of that church shut the meeting down. And they asked, he asked the people why they stopped Brother Smart from preaching. Why did you shut the meeting down? He didn't preach anything that I'm not, that I haven't preached to you. And they said to him, well, but we love you. We love you. Well, how in the world could a fella, my, Brother Egan called me up and said, Brother Smart, that's what they used to do years ago. But he said, don't you be discouraged. I said, I'm not discouraged one bit. I feel sorry for the pastor. I said, pastor, let's take the sign down. Go on with the meeting. He said, brother smart. I just don't think we ought to do it. I said, please, let's not allow six men to stop this meeting. Majority of the people want to go on with it. I said, let's go on with it. He said, brother smart. You just don't know my people. I said, what will they do if they get up there and preach? He said, they'll come up on the platform after you. I said, what will they do when they get me? God in heaven help us. I believe that God's grace is sufficient. God will take an individual through. And he's never failed me yet. <laughs> I was in a revival meeting some time ago and there was three, four big old hillbillies back in the back. Great big old mountaineers. And they were talking like a bunch of kids. And I took it as long as I could and finally I just called them down. And one of them spoke up and said, well, miss you on the outside. I said, I'll be out directly. And after the service was over, I walked out with fear and trembling. And there stood those big three or four big fellas standing there and, and they, in a semi-circle line. And I started to walk through them. They was kind of blocking me, you know, and I was going to go right on through. And they put their hand up and they stopped me. And they said, we don't appreciate the way you called us down tonight in church. I said, I don't appreciate the way that you acted in church tonight. They said, we're not going to come back. I said, I want you to come back. I said, if you're going to act like a bunch of idiots, uh, uh, we don't want you to come back to this revival meeting. I said, we love you, but if you're going to act like a human being when you come to church, you're welcome. Otherwise, you're not welcome. Did you know they came back? 
Did you know they got under deep conviction? Did you know they came to the altar and prayed through in the old-fashioned way? And did you know the first fellow they came up after was me? They came up on the platform and grabbed a hold of me and lifted me up and just about broke my ribs. I mean, I was a groaning and, and moaning. People thought I was blessed, but I was hurting. Now, let me tell you something, friends. I believe God's grace will be sufficient for every last one of us. How many believe that? Say amen. Amen. I was in the hills of Kentucky some time ago preaching in a certain church, and I got blessed and got carried away, and I was down in the aisle. And I got too close to a lady, and I accidentally spit in her face. I've had preachers that spit all over me, and that doesn't bother me a bit, Brother Stafford. I've had Brother Darnell to come to my church, and I've had Brother Stafford, uh, I've had Brother uh, uh, Adcock and Brother Fawcett and different preachers to come to my church, and uh, I'd take care of the preliminaries and go down and sit down in the front seat, and they'd come down to preach, and uh, grab a hold of me and spit in my face, and sweat would go in my face. Well, that didn't bother me. I just wiped her off and said, sick em, boy, sick em. And I tell you, that's not the way it worked at this certain church. Right over here in Carney County, Kentucky, old Olive Hill. And I got too close to this lady and I sprayed her. Her head went back like that. And I stopped while I was preaching and I said, Lady, I think maybe I'll spit in your face and I want you to know that I'm sorry. And she stomped the floor and said, You sure did spit in my face and I want you to know that I don't appreciate it. And I said, I take it for granted you don't. I want you to forgive me. I'm sorry. And about that time, her husband, he arose. He looked like a full-size moose. And he looked at me and said, that's my wife you're talking to. I said, I know it is. I've accidentally spit in your wife's face. And I'm sorry. And I want you to forgive me too. And about that time, the son, he arose. He was a song leader. And he's a pretty good-sized fella. He said, that's my daddy you're talking to. I said, I know it is. I've accidentally spit in your mother's face. I've asked her to forgive me. I've asked your daddy to forgive me. Now I'm asking you to forgive me. I thought they was going to ride me out on the rail. I was ready to go anyway. You know, there's some places I get into, I'm glad when I get out. I mean, I've, I've been in some churches where you tiptoe in, tiptoe out, and everything's played in a minor key. There's no God, no zip, no vim, no vitality, no holy enthusiasm. The people sitting out there look like hoot owls sitting on tombstones. Their eyes are batting like a frog in a hailstorm. And I'm always glad to leave those kind of spooky places. And I thought they was going to ride me out on the rail and I was ready to go. You know the Bible said if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. But if, <laughs> I'm telling you, 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 you resist the church boss and he'll fly right in your face. That's, that's a good thought. Amen. Oh my. You know what they did? They jumped right up. I mean, they got up and stormed out of that church. I mean, they walked out just like this, you know, and when they opened that door, they slammed it behind them. By the way, they were charter members of the church. Or should I say charred members? Probably used to have the fire at one time. Now, it's kind of funny now, but it wasn't funny then. And I stood there, brother, and I was just dumbfounded. It got so quiet in that place, you could hear the hardening of the arteries. I mean, boy, it really got quiet. I tried to preach a little bit and couldn't. And finally, I just had the people to stand up and, and I dismissed them. 
And I said, I'm going back to the parsonage, and I don't know what the pastor's going to say to me. He'll probably rip me up one side and down the other. I don't know. The devil said, you've split the man's church. You've earned the man's church. Here you are sleeping in their bed, and you're eating their food, and you're staying in the parsonage, and he's called you for a meeting, and now you've just about wrecked it. So I went back to the parsonage, and I packed my little suitcase, and I was ready to hightail it out of there. And I went downstairs into the kitchen to face the music. I didn't know what he was going to say to me, and I couldn't care less hardly. I was tired of it. When I walked into that kitchen, I saw that pastor with his elbows on the sink, and he was looking out the window laughing. <laughs> Just laughing away. I stood there for a little while, and I looked at that pastor, and I said, Pastor, what in the world's wrong with you? He said, Brother Smart, do you know that family that walked out of the church tonight? I said, of course I know you mean. He said, Brother Smart, that's the best thing that ever happened to my church. I said, what do you mean? He said, Brother Smart, they've been thorns in my flesh ever since I've been here. He said, Brother Smart, I'm glad they're gone. I said, me too. He said, Brother Smart, I believe we're going to have a revival. I said, I believe we are too. And I stayed and the Lord did come and we had a good old-fashioned revival meeting. Let me tell you something, folks. I believe, I don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. I have no idea. But I just, I do believe that God's grace will be sufficient for us. And there's absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I've been stepped on by elephants, crawled over by snakes and barked at by dogs and scratched at by cats. I've been swallowed by whales and nibbled on by minnows. And now when a stink bug gets on me, I just flip it off. Don't worry about it. Just as sure as you get in a spitting contest with a skunk, they'll outspit you every time. Don't try it. Go ahead and shout and shine. Whenever you're dealing with the public, public or preaching to the people, you're going to run into some difficulties. Just as sure as you're sitting on that bench and just as sure as you're an inch high, if you preach the word, you're going to serve the devil and you're going to get some folk mad at you. Now, what are we going to do? We're just going to go ahead and shout and shine. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to keep on keeping on looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We're going to keep our little hand in God's big hand. Just go right on and mind the Lord. I pastored a little old country church way back on the hills. You had to cross a creek in order to get to it. And that church was jammed right up against a big old mountain raised up on rocks where the snakes could crawl in and out, you know. Good old-fashioned holiness church. I had a 32 Chevrolet that was top-heavy. Had a little kerosene lantern in the back for a heater. And I used that as a Sunday school bus going up and down the hollers Picking up people to bring to Sunday school. Lived 35 miles one way where I pastored. And before I got the 32 Chevrolet, I hitchhiked one way, each way. 35 miles one way. Until I got enough of money saved up where I could buy me an automobile, 32 Chevrolet. It was a dandy. Ran like a singer's own machine. One Sunday after I got through a preaching, I was taking people home from church. And I pulled up in front of this house and let the people out. And I started to close the door, but Mr. Devil came out. Boy, I'm telling you, he, you could see the fire in his eye. Man, I want you to know he was built from the top down. I didn't know he was a professional boxer. It's a good thing I didn't know. 
He ran up to my automobile and jerked that door open, reached in, got a hold of me by the collar and lifted me out and lifted me up and slammed me down on the ground, lifted me up, slammed me down again and shook and shook and shook and shook and shook. I said, here we go again. He said, preacher, if you ever come up this holler picking up people to take down there to that holy roller church of yours, what he called it. I almost got blessed when he called it a holy roller church because that's what it was. I got the dictionary down, looked up the word holy, and he said, sanctified, pure, upright, clean. I looked up the word roller. He said, that's an object moving on. I said, that's what a holy roller is. An individual the same sanctified and they're moving on for the glory of God. David said the path of the just is a shining light shining more and more under the perfect day. I like that. He said if you come up this holler and take people down to that holder, I'll shoot your guts out. He didn't say intros, he said guts. I said, sir, I never did do anything wrong. And he hit me upside of the head. I mean, it was a direct hit. It's pretty for a little while. Looked like the 4th of July. Felt like I was kicked by a mule. I saw sparklers going around. I saw the Roman candles go up. I heard the firecrackers go off. I saw streaks of little lightning and streaks of big lightning. I mean, no one talking about put your hand up. Poor people never die happy. <laughs> When I came to my senses, I was still standing on my feet. The devil said, stick a knife in him, walk around him, and shove him over. Didn't have one. Wouldn't have used it anyway. I had my hand upside of my head. My head was hurting. He said, did you hear what I said? I said, well, of course I heard what you said. He said, don't come up the holler again. Got back in the automobile and took the rest of the people home. Went up to Sister Brother and Sister McComas to eat my dinner. I lived 35 miles away from where I pastored. Went up to Sister McComas and ate my dinner. Changed my clothes. Lay down and rest a little bit. Then it wasn't too long until it was time to go back up the holler. The devil said, you going back up that holler? I said, what do you think? I said, I'm going back up that holler if I live. The devil said, boo. And I said, boo right back. I got in that automobile, went up the holler, picked up the people, pulled up in front of the house where Mr. Devil came out and just about broke my neck. I blew my horn. Hooga! The nice horn. I like to have one now on my car. I blew that horn and the people came out of the house. I was waiting for Mr. Devil to come out. He didn't come out. Went on up the holler, picked up the rest of the folk. Went down to the service, had a great time, broke out into an old-fashioned revival meeting. Went with about four, four or five weeks. What a revival we had. I mean, the church had just loaded down every night, souls getting saved, believers being sanctified, whole backsliders coming back home to the Lord. Guess who came to the service one night? Yeah, you're right. It's the fellow that gave me a good punch. When he walked into that church... <laughs> He had his right arm in a, in a cask and a sling. <laughs> oh, excuse me. He had his arm in a cask put in a sling. And he sat back there and listened to me preach. And after I got through preaching, I gave an altar call and different individuals came to the altar. Here he came. And he shot out his left hand and I grabbed it with my right hand. He said, man, he said, I broke my arm just a few days after I struck you. He said, I feel like I've been in hell ever since I've hit you. 
He said, man, I want to be saved. I said, get down on your knees. And we began to pray. Listen, friends. I said that to say this. God's big enough to save you and sanctify you. He's big enough to keep you. Amen. You go right on and serve God and walk in the light and keep your little hand in God's big hand. That's what Sister Peabody used to say to us here on these grounds. Keep your little hand in God's big hand and the Lord's able to take you through. And I believe that with all of my heart. I've gone through a lot of throughs, but I'm not through going through. Soon I expect to go through my last through, then I'll be through forever. I didn't start to stop. I mean to keep on keeping on. I want to stand for Jesus. I want to preach with love, and I want to preach the Word, and just tell it just like it is. When God puts a message on my heart, I want to deliver my soul. Whatever God wants, that's what I want. Every once in a while, I'll get my sermons down and look at them, you know, and say, Lord, whatever you want me to preach, I'm willing to do it. And I look at the ones, you know, that's labeled dynamite. And when I start to use one of them, they don't even prove to be good firecrackers. That's why I want to make sure when I preach, that it's God's message. And sometimes, sometimes I wonder if it is. But I do the best that I can do. And folks, that's all the Lord requires us out of us, is to give it our best. And don't worry about anything else. I mean, just go ahead and live like you know God wants you to live. If we live godly in Christ Jesus, we're going to suffer. Fella said to me some time ago as a preacher, said, I'd call you for revival if you wouldn't stir up such a stink. I said, if there's nothing dead there, I won't stir it up. But I said, if there's something dead there, I'm the worst stinker, stir-upper that you ever saw in your life. Amen. I get tired of these little pussyfooting preachers. Amen. I think we ought to preach with love. I agree 100%. I was way out in Chicago in a certain church, and this man right up here on the platform, Tom Reed, he came and backed me up just about every service. And you know this church where I'm in, first church. How I got in there, I do not know. I never will forget it. Everything happened, seemed like there. Took my little boy in a shoe store and came out. I was pulling the house right of then. And he came out of the shoe store. I wasn't in there very long. Came out, my truck was gone. I was crazy. I left the keys at ignition. I wasn't going to be in there long. I just jumped out hurriedly, went in there and got my boy a pair of shoes and came out and was gone just like that. Took three days for the cops to find it. The police said, you may never find it. Here in Chicago, they generally strip the cars and then shove them over into the gravel pit. Well, they cleaned my truck out. They took my tools and my trailer jacks. They just cleaned me up. Then my wife had a nervous, complete nervous breakdown there in Chicago. And the doctors, five doctors, examined her and said, there are three doctors, however many. I don't know how many doctors examined her and said she's got muscular dystrophy or multiple sclerosis. Boy, it looked dark. And said she'll probably be in a wheelchair the rest of her days. And I could just visualize me pull, pushing my wife down the aisle in a wheelchair. And there I was in the first church. Everybody looked so worldly. And it was so dead. It was so quiet. Man, I'd say something good and it seemed like I fell off of a cliff. I couldn't get a holy grunt out of anybody. The old-fashioned aliens of that church faded out with the Model T Fords. Boy, it was a horrible atmosphere. I just kept pouring on the truth. I said, if they can take it, I can. After the service was over, a little boy came up to me and gave me a note. I opened it up. The daddy sent the little boy up to me, I suppose, or the mama. They didn't have nerve enough to come up like a yellow belly coward. They had to send the little boy up to me. 
yellow belly cowards. I opened it up and said, please preach more love. The next night I got up and I said, here it says preach more love. I got up and said, well, I've always liked to give the people what they want, so I preach love. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all this of the world is the lust of the place and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That's not of God, that's, that's of the world. So I gave him some love. Just a night or so later, someone else, a little boy or girl, brought me up a note and said, give us more positive preaching and less negative. And so I got up the next night and told, well, I've got a note here, more positive preaching. So I got up and said, I'm positive. It's wrong for you ladies to cut your hair. I'm positive. It's wrong for you men to wear your jewelry. I just poured it on. I always did like to try to give people what they want. No, what they need. Television gives you what you want. I like to give you what you need. Hello? Amen. Now listen, folks. That was, that was a meeting. I shall never forget that. And Tom Reed was right there, and he, he was there, and he was the only one who was backing me up at times. Listen to me. The last night, my wife had a horrible spell at the hospital. And I wasn't going to go to the service the last night, Sunday night, because my wife had a a spell where she couldn't move. She could laugh, cry, and talk, but she couldn't move anything else. They gave her a shot, and she began to move that little finger. She began to move a little bit, and pretty soon she moved the rest of the fingers, and then she began to move. So I went on to the service. And I preached that night on hell, and after I got through a preaching, I gave an altar call, and that whole congregation got up and came to the altar, pastor and all. There wasn't anybody left in the pews. The whole church just emptied itself, came to the altar, and the pastor came to the altar, and you never heard such spring. And a few days later, that pastor was out, and he was scraping snow off of the sidewalks and around the parking area. It had a great big old blacktop parking area. had a big old road grader to come in to shove uh, the snow to one side. And, and the road grader didn't see the pastor, and the pastor didn't pay any attention to the road grader. He backed up and ran over the pastor and crushed him. This flattened him out. You know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. You know, I thank God for the preachers. I love the preachers. It's a solemn thing to preach the gospel. But if he preaches the gospel and preaches the truth, brother, you better take heed and you better listen. And not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Whatever God says to do, let's do it. And if you're a Christian, press on. Press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, in this world you'll have tribulation. And in Berkeley translation, it said, in this world you'll have pressure. But he said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And Paul said, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He said, I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. That's what Paul said, I'm going to press on. That's what the Lord wants all of us to do. You'll say, my brother Smart, you don't have to, you just have no idea what I have to go through. No, but God's able to take you through. God's able to take you through. I don't know what's going to happen after the services over this morning. I have no, no idea what's going to happen after the service tonight or tomorrow or after this camp. I have no idea. But I do know God's grace is sufficient for us and He will take us through. Hallelujah. Let the people laugh and make fun and talk about you. Just let them say what they want to say and go on and shout and shine. You can live on hot tongue, cold shoulder. What's so bad about cold shoulder if it's sliced just right? Mm-mm. What's so bad about hot tongue? Did you ever eat cow tongue? 
It's high in protein. It's good. It's a little stringy, but you can eat it. If it's fixed right, it's not even stringy. You can live on hot tongue, cold shoulder. Just let them say what they will. Go ahead and shout and shout. What you say, Brother Spark? I'm having such a hard time. Well, God bless your heart. Keep encouraged. It could be worse. The Lord didn't say it was a bowl of cherries. Life is not a bowl of cherries. It's a bowl of raisins. Raising kids, raising money, and raising cane. But it's a bowl of cherries. Just go ahead and shout and shine. I refuse to walk around singing the blues. I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. Some folk have been singing the blues so long they've been spitting ink. God doesn't want us to sing the blues. I know what it is to be discouraged. I know what it is to go through dark places, right along the rest of you folk. But remember, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I refuse, I refuse, I refuse, I refuse to walk around apparently defeated. I'm not going to do it. If you see me looking down my nose, I'm going to be standing on my head, but I'll be looking up all the same time. Now, what the Lord wants us to do is just keep on walking and keep on shouting and praising the Lord and minding God, whatever God says to do, let's do it, bless God, and we can be victorious every day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm -mm. It's good for rheumatism and arthritis and lumbago, don't you know? Not bad for a 60-year-old man. I've left my failing 50s and I've gone into my sagging 60s. Don't you wish you could do that? Bless God. Hallelujah. Amen. Especially you fat people. Maybe if you do this a little bit more, you wouldn't be so fat. How many still love me? Put your hand up. Hallelujah. Well, I purposed in my heart a long time ago, I'm going through. I can't help what others do. I must go on. What are we going to do, folks? We're going on? Are we going through? If so, say a big amen. amen. How many are happy to be here this morning? Say amen. amen. How many would rather be here than to be anyplace else? Say amen. amen. How many would rather be here than be in a hospital? Say amen. amen. How many rather be here than be in a nursing home? Say amen. amen. How many rather be here than be in jail? Say amen. amen. How many is glad that I'm here? Put your hand up, please. Rest of you folk going home. I'm glad to be here. And we're so happy that you're here today. Now let's keep our hearts open. And whatever God says to do, let's do it. The afternoon service and the night service. Let's go through. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA.